0: God for you guys um, so thankful to see the passion the desire to know um, about God uh, we all struggle we all struggle uh, don't don't get it wrong ask your grandmother <laughs> or your grandfather they will tell you too uh, we are in a fallen uh, body right so so the question is where do we go from here what happens now? Because all this seems to be taking too long. Uh, it's painful. It is slow. Uh, you know, sanctification is is painfully slow, but in the Lord, it's thankfully sure. That, that is, that, that's one thing that we should not forget, right? I mean, it's, we, we, this is in the Lord. This is not just us um, struggling and like, we're not sure where this is gonna lead to. And so that's what makes it, uh, makes it okay. I, I uh, was reading this illustration. Uh, I thought it was, it was just phenomenal. I'm not even sure whether it's true or not, but uh, they said that there was this person who wrote to a Christian editor And he said, you know, I've gone to church for 30 years. And in that time, I probably heard about 3,000 sermons. But for the life of me, I can't remember any of those sermons. I think the preachers are wasting the time. They're just giving all the sermon. There is absolutely no use of what's happening. And so that led to a lot of response. A lot of people responded, went back and forth. Till one person wrote back and uh, and he said, you know, I've been married 30 years, he says. And during this time, my wife has cooked around 32,000 meals. And for the life of me, I cannot give you the entire menu of a single one of those meals. But this I can tell you that all of them nourished me. They gave me strength that I needed to do the work. And if I had not had those meals, I probably would be physically dead today. So, you know, this little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit, you know, during the retreat is what nourishes our soul even though it seems almost as if the, we, we're not moving or inching forward. But I want to tell you, my dear brothers and sisters, through the promise that God has given us, that the work that he starts, he is faithful to complete. And so we want to learn that we're committed to know even when the process is slow, right? committed to know even when the process is slow. So we'll go back to the passage that we have in Romans chapter 12, verse one and two. I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we're going to look at the latter part of that part of those two verses, the verse two, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. So let me just pray before we start. Father, we commit ourselves into your hand. This is your word and it's through your spirit that we can understand. I bring nothing, Lord, to add to this. Help me just to be a channel. Give us clarity, O oh Father. We are crying f- to understand what you want us to do, how you want us to grow. And so we pray that you speak to us. Lead us, give us discernment. We seek nothing else except for your glory. Thank you again. We love you in Jesus Christ the Lord's name. Amen. 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 All right. As usual, let's continue to look at some of those phrases there so that we, we know exactly what is being said. The first one is prove. In some of your translations, it says discern, prove or discern. It is to say that you have to test the genuineness of it. So that is you take a an ore, and you're testing to see whether it is gold or whether it is just rock. So it is not about discovering the will of God. It's about proving the will of God, right? So it's not that you're scrambling to find the ore. The ore is already found, but now you have to check to see if this ore is gold or not. And so it's like the Genesis 3 being played out. Again, we're coming back to this Genesis 3 to discern whether this is what God is saying or if it is something else. I want to take you right now back to Slido. Uh, This is just like an icebreaker question, but this gives some clarity why I keep talking about Genesis 3, all right? So my brother's gonna help me get us into Slido. And a CBF 4, F-O-U-R, CBF 4. So if you can uh, get on that and uh, answer the question, what was the consequence of Adam and Eve eating from the fruit of the tree or the knowledge of good and evil? Uh, They would discern good and evil like God Or they couldn't discern good or evil at all. And the third is they discerned good and evil apart from God. Which of these three is true? All right. As the results keep coming in, I'll keep moving on. Okay, we'll leave that on just for a little bit. But I want you to understand what what had happened is God had said, this is my will. And here is the tree, uh, the fruit of the tree of the good, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil. And as Adam and Eve took of that fruit, they became their own moral compass. And you will read through the rest of the Bible passage. They did what was right in their own eyes. They became the standard for what they thought was right or wrong. We see that through the Bible, right? I mean, that that is. That's the essence. When you get to judges again, uh, so so often, when you get to Romans again, you see that we have become our own standards. That's what that is. They discerned good and evil apart from God. And we're saying, this is not, that is not what we want to do. We don't want to discern it apart from God. We want to discern what is God's will. So we keep talking about this will of God. And I think we need to talk about that, right? The will of God. What is this will of God? How, how, through transformation, we are able to see the will of God. And so there are three descriptors given uh, for the will of God, which is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. So what does it mean by saying good? All right, we, 57. We can stop there and um, we can come back. All right, thank you. Um, so first, what is good? We're saying that uh, the will of God has the ultimate benefit. We're not saying it's not painful, it can be painful, but it's got the ultimate good. His will is the ultimate good for us, and it's acceptable. That is, when you offer, when His will is done, as we offer. Uh, ourselves into doing his will, it is pleasing to him. It is acceptable to him. And it's also uh, acceptable to us, to this inner man, this new man that God has given us. And it says then it's perfect, meaning that when it's complete, it will be completed. It uh, His will is always done. And um, the perfect will is always done. His will is complete and it, it will fulfill its purpose. I guess that's the idea of this perfection that is what it's designed for it will fulfill its purpose all right so we see acceptable perfect um, good acceptable and perfect will of god now the question then is what do we know about god's will how how do we know you know how do we get to know about God's will, right? That's been the question that we're asking. And, and so I'm going to take you back to the Slido, right? Just because this is really important. So if, if I, let's come back to Slido because the question there is, and this is a little tricky. This one is a little tricky, okay? So uh, you have to choose the right answers about God's will. Um, choose the right answer about God's will. God's will is that I simply do what is morally right. Now I want you to, uh, you know, think this through real carefully, okay? Simply do what is morally right. The second one is Bible is the primary source of knowing God's will. The third is God never uses other people to tell me his will. His will is always in sync with his moral character. And circumstantial evidence is how God reveals his will. Right. I I love that your answers are becoming more and more uh, what I have understood and I gleaned from God's word, right? His will is always in sync with his moral character. That's an absolute truth. You, you, You can be sure that he will not will us to sin in any which way. So if you ever think that, I think in this situation, God is, you know, allowing me to do a white, you know, we always rationalize white lies. Uh, There's nothing called white lies. You know, don't get racial about your lies. Um, And and the second one is uh, the Bible is the primary source of knowing God's will, right? Yes, it is. And he does, um, you know. He it says, does he never use other people? No, we are saying that we are brought into the community, and and as we together pray, and we can discern God's will. And God's will is not simply to do moral good, because then there are many people who do moral good, right? But it is not the good that God is calling us to do. So there are three truths I want to give you about God's will, all right? But first, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Ephesians five seventeen. It will come up on your screen. Uh, Ephesians 5, 17. Ephesians five seventeen. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what is the will, what the will of God is, what the will of Lord is but understand what the will of the Lord is. So four observations that I want to make from this verse. One, God has a will, right? Second, you can get to know God's will. Third, we are asked, we are, we are asked to know God's will, right? We are invited to come, get to know God's will. And the fourth, it is foolish not to know God's will. But let me take you to the next verse, which is in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. Deuteronomy 29, 29. It's going to come up on your screen again. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that they may do all the words of the law. So there are the theologians will call it this. They call it the God's secret will. And then there's God's revealed will. So the second thing that I wanted to understand about God's will is that not of not all of God's will is going to be revealed to us. Right. He wants us to know his will, but not all of his will is going to be revealed to us. There is a secret will and there is a revealed will, as uh, people have called it. And so this is this context is uh, the context of this verse is very instructive. I want you to understand. So what's happening is Joshua is a new leader and Israel is about to go into the promised land. There are a lot of questions that is coming up in their mind. And God is saying that certain things, you know, certain things you don't know. So the things that you know, listen to this very carefully. This is what is the crux of what I'm trying to get you to, all right? I want you to trust me in the things that you don't know, but I want you to obey me in the things that you do know. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Trusting in what we do not know and obeying in what we do know, right? And so so that's, that's a good thing to remember trust and obey i want to know god's will yeah there are certain things i don't know what i'm going to do i'm going to trust certain things he's already told me uh, and i'm going to obey him for that but here's the third one that the will of god cannot be separated from the personhood of god Absolutely important. See God is one in essence, which means His will is undivided from his personhood. That is unless we get to know Him, we cannot get to know His will. They, they are together. God uh, it is uh, Richard Mueller who said, God is what He wills. They are together. You, you can't get to know you, 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 ha- you can get to know one uh, apart from the other. When you get to know him, you get to, get to know his will. If you seek his will, you're saying, I want to get to know God. So the key word for us is consequence. That's the uh, key word for us. And that's the title of this session. But I want you to understand, consecration has a consequence. Consecration has consequence. What God does is He, when we set ourselves apart to God, God sets Himself apart to us. He rewards us with Himself in the fact that we get to know God and the in, in the fact that we have this relationship with God. What a precious thing that is, right? We we this this is the idea. And I was thinking about it, not time, you know, there are times when I, my parents live in Kerala and caught And so when I go to Kerala, caught him, uh, you know, we, we, we want to go visit places. And sometimes we don't know where we are. And so we would ask somebody along the street and says, hey, can you help us? We're going to go to this. We want to go to this person's house. And what does that person do? He doesn't just give us instructions to get there, but he gets on the car with us and takes us there. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool that's exactly how it is with us. We want to know God's will, we get God along with that. I thought that's, that's, a, that, that's the cool thing about our God, right? And so here is uh, the bonus that I want to tell you about the will of God. And that's been a good learning for me. A wrong motivation to know God's will will have a wrong consequence, wrong motivation has wrong consequence you got to ask yourself this honest question why do you want to know god's will is it to glorify him or is it because you want to be in control god should i take this job or should i take this job because i don't know which will which has the right boss you know that i can work with the right environment should i buy this house or should I buy this house? I, I don't want to lose 150,000 rupees. Um, you know, so so uh, I, I want to know your will, which is the right decision because I want to be in control, right? I want to know, I want to know That I've made the right decision. I want to feel safe. I don't want to have negative consequences. I want to reduce my pain, reduce my loss. And the desire and the reason I want to know your will is so that you know my life is comfortable. We have this wrong notion that when we are in the center of God's will, that all our problems will go away, that our life will be smooth sailing. That being in the center of God's will, we will have this you know, this calm. You will have peace that passes understanding. Like, how is he peaceful in the middle of that storm? It does not mean that there's going to be no storm in the middle, in the center of God's will. There are instances galore. Daniel, as an example, in the middle of God's will was found in the den of lions. And then you go through every most examples you can find people who were in the will of God have suffered. So this notion that, that we seek the will of God so that I can, I can feel safe. I can be in control. I can, I can be comfortable. I I don't have less pain, less loss is not the reason for us to know the will of God. Right, I mean that's that's something, and then that's something for us to really t- think about. So this wrong component, the uh, sorry, the wrong consequence, is um, is dangerous uh, uh, because what happens is it eliminates our need to trust Him. We want to know God's will because then this this unknown of Uh, is taken away. And when the unknown is taken away, then we don't need to trust him. God is saying, no, you got to trust me. He walks us, you know, these games that we've played when we were little, you you blindfold the person and you walk the person through a path and the person has to trust you. Well, it's something similar in some cases where God is silent even as you pray and the psalmist talks about it many times oh god why aren't you why aren't you responding why aren't you responding why are you telling me what to do you tell me what to do god and i'll do it but god just keeps silent because he wants you to wait trust and just know and and just give up control to him it's very contraindicated right it's not, it's not what we are used to. But instead, what we do is we are, we are fixated in wanting to know God's will. We think that God is playing hide and seek, right? And he's hidden his will. Now we have to go desperately go find where his will is. What we don't realize is if God is hidden his will, there's no amount of you searching will reveal it. God's not playing games with you. I want you to understand this, you know, but uh, we want to crack the code, right? I've heard this uh, many years ago uh, by a a missionary. I thought that was pretty cool. He's driving along, he's diabetic, but he's craving to have uh, some sweet. And he's praying to God, God, if there is a parking space in front of the bakery, I think it's your will for me to have that sweet. And lo and behold, there's always a parking spot. Maybe two blocks away, (laughs) but uh, you can always twist to your convenience. So you know, we 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 open the Bible, and you know, we've all done it. Like I've done it. I remember till I was, um, you know, not uh, discerning about what God wants. for us to understand and you put your finger there and it says whatever it says and you feel that's what God is trying to tell you. You see, we have used God, that's divination. We're trying to use God's word as a crystal ball, right? And find out God's word. God says, nah, that doesn't work that way for me. Imagine I have to buy a gift for my wife, you know, Christmas is coming or birthday is coming or whatever it is and I need to buy a gift. And so I want to know what she wants, what her will is. So I start to drop hints and, uh, you know, try to find clues and try to lead her to just, you know, come up and say, okay, this is what she needs. And, and eventually ask her like, and she, she finds out and she says, okay, I know you're trying to find out what I want. Like, so I said, yeah, I want to know what you want. And, and she would say, get to know me. If you know me, you know what I want. Husbands, I know you would have heard this from your wives. That's the most frustrating for us us as husbands. But there's truth in it, right? What she's saying is, if you want to know what I want, you get to know who I am. That's exactly, that's the core of a relationship. That is what God is saying. You, You get to know me, you get to know my will. So how do I summarize this? I, I, I seek to know God so that I can know his will. And there are areas that he's revealed and there are areas that he's hid from me. The areas that he's revealed, I obey immediately. I obey immediately, not rationalize what, what God has revealed to me. And the, and the ones that he's hit from me, I trust him implicitly, knowing that it is good, it's good, acceptable, and perfect, right? So the struggle of uh, sanctification—that phrase that we've been using—is it, it really boils down to trust and obey, at the risk of oversimplifying, right? I mean, so so I hope you understand: trust and obey. So I want you to think this over. And I've changed this a little bit around. I want to give you three things as I'm talking about this, uh, uh, think it over. So you can write that down if you want. It's required, it recognizes, and it chooses right. First, it's required, required. A renewed mind is required to discern God's will. Think about this. You know, the reason why we need to be renewed is so that we are transformed, so that we can prove what is God's will. 1 Corinthians 2.14, as we see on the screen, says this. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him, he is not able to understand because they are, that is the will of God, the things of God are spiritually discerned. So this is required. Uh, A renewal of the mind is required. The second thing is recognize A renewed mind recognizes what to trust and what to obey. We saw that in Deuteronomy 29, 29, that there are components which God reveals and there are areas that God does not reveal, right? So uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29, as we see on the screen. So it's required, it recognizes, and the third one is it chooses right. A renewed mind consistently Practices choosing right. It does not mean that. It does not make any wrong mistakes. We tend to do that. uh, And I'll explain just in a bit uh, how that looks. But look at Hebrews 5.14. We looked at that verse yesterday. Hebrews 5.14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have the powers of discernment trained. How do I discern? I have to practice discernment. I have to by constant practice choosing the right over wrong and knowing what is right what is wrong knowing that knowing is it morally does that go against god's character uh, is this the tenor of what the Bible is saying? I need to know God's word to be able to know God, to be able to know his will. And so these seem to be all wrapped up. But let me let me give you two practical illustrations to uh, to clarify what I'm talking about, all right? So one, uh, to, to say that um, to know the will of God comes through maturing. Now, this is a made-up scenario. Uh, so when my son was in in grade school or in kindergarten, I'd go to pick him up uh, at the end of school and he would come running out and he would give me his bag, his water bottle, and he would, you know, he would run ahead and, you know, skipping, dancing, thankful that the school's done. But he comes to the end of the street and he waits for me so that when I come there, I'll hold his hand and then together we cross the street. But well, that's really cool. That's good. But then when he was in university, Imagine one day I had to, you know, I had to go pick him up and he does the same thing. He comes running out and he gives me his books and his bag and all that. And he's jumping ahead and skipping. And he comes to the end of the street uh, so that he's waiting for me to hold his hand and to cross the street so that we can cross the street together. There's something wrong with that picture because I would expect for him by then to know, discern what is right or what is wrong. There is that maturing, If that maturing is not happening about this increasing discernment. Then, then there is a developmental problem. There is uh, another verse in uh, First Corinthians. Uh, the Corinthian church was asking questions about marriage and divorce and you know remarriage and all of that, and and Paul in First Corinthians chapter seven, verse six. Um, and in other parts, he, he's, he, Paul is actually giving a godly advice, not a commandment from God. We're saying, Paul, tell us what God is saying uh, about this issue. And Paul says, I believe I have the spirit of God. It is not a command from God, but I believe it's the spirit of God. And it's like, what, Paul? You tell, me, you tell me what God's telling you. And Paul is saying, uh-uh, I want to tell you. How I view this because the Bible is not a book of rules and regulation. The Bible is not a book of, you know, a list of things to do and a list of things not to do. It's not an FAQ on all the things that you're going to face who you're going to marry, where you're going to live, what car do you buy, what color of car do you buy. And, you know, God is saying, as as paul is saying in this case saying you know paul is saying i walked with this lord that i know his heartbeat i know what he what he what he wants me to do and so this is what i Believe. And and, and and as Paul is trying to write this to the Corinthian church, he's encouraging the Corinthian church to grow up in their maturity, in their level of discernment, to come to a point where it becomes a natural aspect of what it is that God is thinking. And so for us too, that is what God is saying, right? And that I want you to understand that. Uh, and so as I see this increasing desire, increasing Discernment and a desire for discipline to do God's will—I see that as a sign of uh, uh, of 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 um, of me of me knowing God uh, uh, increasingly. Let me put this uh, another way. I know I was a little distracted when I was trying to frame that sentence. We saw in Romans 8, I believe it's 13, that the spirit of God is the one who convicts me that I belong to him. And this conviction is deep. And I see in myself this increasing love for God and the things for the love of God, increasing discernment that, yeah, that is not what God wants me to do. This increasing discernment and this desire to be disciplined about what God is saying is a good indication that you are being transformed. We've been talking about Christlikeness. Now this is extremely important. I know I've packed a lot into this into this uh, module, into this session, um, but uh, you know I, I believe that you are good for solid food. When I say I'm going to be Christ-like, I am want to be, be Christ-like in his humanity, not in his God-likeness. My struggle has always been that I want to be like Jesus in his God-likeness. I want to be omnipotent, like powerful. Like when I see injustice, I want to act on that. I want to be the Superman. You know, I want to be that... Uh, angry man of the Bollywood movies. Or I want to be omniscient. I want to be able to answer all the questions that you've given me. I look at all those questions and I say, God, you got to answer those questions. I don't have answers. But I want to act like I know the questions, uh, the answers to this question. I want to be omniscient, right? I mean, there are attributes of God that he, we will never become. But Jesus, when he came down, he lived that perfect man to show us. He submitted himself to the will of God. He was always about the will of God. Hebrews chapter 10 will tell us, behold, I've come to do your will, O God. John chapter uh, 4, it says, my food is to do the will of God. John 6 says, I've come from heaven not to do my own will, but to do your will. See, uh, let's go through that. Sorry, I know. I'm, I'm going through this real fast. But those are the three verses that... That are so important. This core to understand that doing the will of God was what Jesus did in his humanity. He he even said that I you know the Son of Man does not know when that day is only the Father in heaven. In his humanity, he had laid aside the prerogative uh, of of what only what the Father would reveal to him. And that is what God is calling us to be, that this perfect example that's been given to us in Jesus Christ, that we will become like him in his humanity, Christlikeness. True, there are attributes of love and holiness, all of that too, which God is calling us to, right? But we, we, like we said, we want control, we want power, omnipotence, We want knowledge. We want to know that is omniscience. All of these are God has reserved for himself, but he's calling us to agape love. He's calling us to holiness. He's calling us to perfection that we would fully fulfill the purpose to which he has called us. And so how do we, uh, how do I put this together into a sentence? We persistently persistently and consistently seek to do the will of the Father through the presence of the Spirit of God in us so that we might reflect Christ who uh, pleased who was pleased to, to do the will of God. We consistently seek the will of the Father through the strength and the presence of the Spirit so that we can reflect Christ. you see how the Triune God is, uh, involved in our sanctification and in, in who we are called to become. So how do I sum up all of these four sessions? Three words I've given you, discard, discipline, decide. A brother's gonna pull up the map of Bangalore. Okay, let's see if um, you can, um, we can use this. This map of Bangalore is, I think about 222 years old, all right? Uh, if you were to use this map to go around and find your location in Bangalore, you'd be pretty lost. So we've got to discard old maps. Old maps don't help. We got to redraw the brain map, as it were, renew the mind. We got to make life changes. The old life does not, is not relevant to this new life that God God has called us to, right? Um, We we, we have a good example here up here in Canada where uh, when we get into winter, we have to set aside our summer clothes and get into woolen clothes. That's the picture here. We got to set aside. There are things that are no more relevant. And so we, we become, um, you know, we, we redraw the map as it were, the renewing of the map, saying that there are certain ways I have thought that, that life could be lived out. Now I'm beginning to realize, no, that God doesn't compromise His holiness you know, when I have to lie for whatever reason, uh, this is a good example, right? And yesterday you guys asked me to, um, uh, you know, call Joyce because you wanted to meet her. And I went up and I and I came, came down and I said, she's in the washroom. Now she was at the washroom. When I thought about it later, it seems like, uh, you know, it's a good exam, good excuse when, you know, wife's not ready to come for the camera, I said, oh, I'm not coming. And then you think of a good excuse, and it's, oh, she's in the washroom. So that's a good excuse, but it's a lie. We've been trying to practice this. That's the practice. Don't lie even, you know, like, Think about any lie is a lie against God because you align yourself to the father of lies. And so lie, you gotta be very careful. That's our practice. I mean, I'm not, I'm I'm lying to you if I say we've not lied um, ever. So one is discard. Second is discipline. Stop running in your own intelligence reject this myth of personal competence. I want you to understand that this God has given us this community to come together, to interact and to share, find somebody who you can pray with on a daily basis. And, and as you spend time together, you become more comfortable in, in in talking to each other about your innermost, uh, pain and your desire of knowing and wanting to know the future. I, I want you to understand that um, that spiritual disciplines reveal your dependence on God. It's not a means. It's not uh, that spiritual disciplines that you maintain reveal uh, your spirituality, but it reveals your dependence on God. It is by praying. It is by, uh, you know, reading God's word, studying God's word, that I get to know more about who God is. So my, my desire is God, I want to know you first so that I can know your will. I want to know you so that I can live this life in this renewed way to this new life so that I'm transformed. And it's a long process. That's the long process. It's not exponential. It's It's a life growth. It's a biological life growth. And the third is decide. Decide that conformity to Christ is your only life's purpose. Decide that conformity to Christ is your only life's purpose. If if I can be more like Christ this year in 2021 than I was in 2020, that would be a good, basis it would be a good decision that you can make a good uh, resolution that's the word I was looking for to 2021 and so uh, brothers and sisters I don't know how much uh, of what all I said has been impactful but I pray to God that um, that God in his grace will continue to speak to you. That he will give you the strength from, as he has promised, the spirit of God in you. That he will be the one who, who you will listen to, not grieve, not quench. But that through, that you will toil, struggling with all the energy that he so powerfully works within you to, to, um, to live this life that God has called you to, to toil, to struggle. Those are the words that are used and persevere. The, uh, the time is not too long. Eternity is worth it uh, for all the struggle. The, the momentary, momentary light affliction is nothing compared to the weight of glory. You know, there are all of these verses that you can engage your mind in every time you feel like, ah, how much longer may god bless you let me just pray and i'll close father if i've said anything if, I've, if i have said anything which which is not true erase that but father i plead with you that the spirit of god will continue to minister to your children their desire to know you Lord. their desire to do what is right by God. They have learned that, that our God is worth it, worth all their effort in life. And we pray that they are able to see this increasing uh, transformation. And together as a church, Lord, in that, in that city that you have placed them, would there be a bright, burning testimony so that you are glorified. More people come to know you, Lord. More people come to know you through their testimony, through their witness. We thank you again for your presence and for the stirring of your of our hearts during this time. We love you, Lord. Thank you again in Jesus Christ, a lot's name. Amen. Amen.